0: Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 622 for January 25th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchats with Programming by Stealth. Installment 89 of X. And Bart, we're starting a a whole new way to do the show. Going to scare everybody and make them think it's totally different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's evolving. It's not. Yeah, no, it's evolving. That's different. Um. Actually, I'm just going to say up front, uh, if I don't have quite as much oomph in my breath, it's because I got hit by a car yesterday on the bike, and I'm not even joking. (sighs)
0: So
1: I've literally had the wind blown out of me, so I'm not able to breathe in particularly deeply because I have a bruised sternum.
0: Uh, Nothing broken, though?
1: Nothing broken. Um I I think I've had my radiation dose for the year. Six X-rays is that is that enough? It seems like I would
0: I would, you know, it's good to get that out over with in January, right? Now you don't have to have any more A yeah.
1: year. I hope so. I hope so. Um yes. Yeah, so I I hugged the bonnet of a Ford Transit van and then encountered the road very sharply. Ugh. Well, yes, but as I say, terrible. you know, no broken bones. Um no actually also all of my ligaments are still attached to all of my bones. This is also ah, good.
0: That's another good thing, right? Right. Yeah. Well, you sound great something to me.
1: Deep tissue damage and bruising and six weeks of recovery and two weeks of work. And the, I was less happy about that. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah.
0: All right. But no. uh, so tell us about the new format for the show. What's, what's Right. The- so
1: the show has like we, you, the listeners, you, all of us as a community, we've we've sort of moved on in our journey of becoming a. Developer, right? Programming by stealth. Well, we've stealthed up on becoming actually quite serious. So when we started doing challenges, they were small. They were, you know, two lines of code, three lines of code. They were just little tiny snippets, almost like MCQs in you know multiple choice questions in in the school, like tiny little thing. And now we're writing web apps. Yeah, we like. are. So if you want to use the school analogy, we've moved on from homework to project work. Yeah, that's a good and, way to put it, yeah. Which means they're way more complex. And it's a lot more about problem solving and a lot more about why. So we have this, our Lego set has gotten really big, right? I, You have many possible Lego pieces at your disposal now. And it's no longer about figuring out what pieces you have. It's about figuring out how to put them together. And that's a really big why question. Like there are infinity of possible solutions why did I choose to do X, Y, or Z? What were the other options? What did I decide to go against? What did I not even consider? What did I think was a terrible idea? The why of the challenge solutions is probably more important than the what. Hmm. okay, okay. And by combining a solution with new stuff, that was fine when the solutions took 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I'm still trying to squeeze them into 10 minutes, but they're not 10 minutes worth of content. And so they're getting really short shifts. So you're putting an awful lot of time and effort into your homework. You're having great fun doing it. And then we come to the show and I breeze through it in five minutes and I don't get any value out of it. You don't get any value out of it. The audience doesn't get any value out of it. And it's just been a whole bunch of stress. It like, doesn't seem sensible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was starting to notice that, that, that I was just uh, almost marking time while you talked about your solution because it wasn't going to be. Uh, at a pace that I could dig in and say, okay, what about this? Why did you do that? You know, hey, wait a minute, back up and look at this other piece because I was chomping at the bit to get the new stuff.
1: Yeah, and that is completely, like literally missing the point of the challenges. The whole point of the challenges was the digging in and we were skipping it because we wanted to get to the new stuff. So going forward, no more combining the two. Some shows will be new stuff shows and some shows will be challenge shows, but there, will never, there won't be again both in one. And that gives us the ability to keep the challenges projecty, to keep them real world, to keep them big,
0: yeah. which is of uh, value. Because we've had some hiatuses here, it's actually been wonderful to have the luxury to go back and go. Well, you know, I did this this way, but and and technically, I have met the challenge. But you know what? I can see a way I could make this better, or I could add this enhancement. Mm-hmm. And I found myself wanting to go into my project to work on it. And, and I keep showing it off to my children. You <laughs> know, Hey, look, you can still find out the currency rates. Um, but yeah. because of that extra time, so by this, you would probably have it on the, on the order of every other. So we'd have a month to do our homework instead of two weeks.
1: Yeah. And depending on the challenge, um, maybe sometimes six. In fact, the challenge I am setting you today is a six week one because I need two weeks of new stuff to finish some stuff off. Oh, interesting. And okay. because my idea for the challenge is really cool and I'm really keen to do it, but I'm also realistic that it's, it's a biggie.
0: Yeah. And I think but it'll be fun. I, I promise you, you'll like it. Yeah. When you make it too big and we don't get the time to really dig in and work on it, then I'm just cranky. And I miss right. the fun Right. And part. why wouldn't
1: you be? It's really, it's really mean of me to give you a difficult, long challenge and say, oh, we'll see you in two weeks. Tuttle Yeah.
0: I have really, really enjoyed the, exha- the exchange rate thing and I can explain it. I understand how it works. And by keeping going back through it too, I've been able to keep refreshing my memory. Like, wait a minute, what was that template for? Why did I do this mustache? What was that? And so I've, I've forced myself to keep learning it as opposed to do it, put it away. And now all that learning is just only once.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping consolidation. I hope there's been a lot of learning consolidation as the jargon goes in the, in the
0: pedagogical industry. And I also appreciate that you're continuing to say that there's no right way.
1: Oh yeah, and that's becoming double true, triple true, like because for projecty stuff, there's a problem to be solved. Why, why is there only? Why is it not just one calculator in the app store? Well, because there's a million ways different human beings want their calculators to work. Right, right, right. And so these challenges, as they become real world it is actually genuinely the case that you will find a whole approach different to me and you will find yours better and there's absolutely no reason it isn't right it's I, just that i like i i like one thing and you like another thing or whatever you know it's so it's I
0: it's going to become more it, and more I, yours is clearly way, way 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 prettier than mine and better laid out uh, but mine does some things functionally that yours doesn't do, that I'm really proud right. of. So that's been fun. You know, I, I I own something that has a cool feature to it. And I, I
1: love it. Yes. I've just yeah. enjoy the heck out of and it. And the other thing we'll get to do this way, uh, especially because you get time to refine, is we get to think not just about the programming, but also about the human computer interface, the HCI, as it's called in computer science, Right. Because you've got a minimum viable product, and you know, the, the jargon is MVP, right? Minimum viable product. So the moment you technically met the challenge, you had an MVP, as, a, as it would be called in the industry. But an MVP, the other word for that is rubbish. <laughs> right? Minimum viable product. POS, not ready for mainstream, right? <laughs> I should but go back you, and look at had... my
0: first one, right?
1: Yeah, right. But you've now had a few weeks to tweak and finesse and that has helped you consolidate, and the result has been you've been thinking about what it's like to be the user of your converter, right? You've been looking at making it easier on the user, less clicks, clearer to see, prettier, which is secondary to easier to use, but not irrelevant.
0: Well, yeah, and sometimes helpful when it's prettier, your, your eye is drawn to the right things. Do you know what I even did uh, in my quest to be teacher's pet? I had mine Go tested on. by Scott Howell for accessibility.
1: I'm impressed because I didn't do that. I was thinking about sending him yours.
0: (laughs) uh, If anybody wants theirs tested, I bet he would. Um, He he gave me one interesting piece of feedback. He said it was all accessible, so I was excited about that. He said it was weird to see the close button before seeing the card because the close button is in the header, so the first thing you heard was close card.
1: Yeah, and that is how the examples on bootstrap.com do it as well. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I thought it would, would there would be a way to move it semantically without moving it visually, but I couldn't figure out a way to do that. I, I don't think you could move it quite that far. Yeah.
1: I mean, I have it as the last thing in my header, so it's semantically after the title.
0: Uh-huh. But that's about as Which far is, as it goes, right? But, I mean, you, technically, yeah, that's, you that's could the put it in the road, footer. Right?
1: You've hit the end of the book at there.
0: You could put it in the footer, but that's not where people visually look for it.
1: No, it's not at all. Yeah. And sort of, if you imagine Windows, the controls are in the header of the window. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, so there's another big change. change. There is. Now, the other big change, I'm going to tell you today, but the why is not going to become immediately obvious. But as of this installment, and I will be slowly going backwards in time to make this retroactively true of the other 88, which is going to take me a while, (laughs) um, unless someone wants to volunteer to do it. Uh, anyway, we're moving to GitHub. The entire project is going to become a GitHub-hosted project. And one, I've decided, I haven't told you this, so this is a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we're now doing project E work, there is a gaping hole in our knowledge, and it's going to hinder us on PHP. So before we jump to PHP, we are going to finish JavaScript very soon, but we're going to do Git, and then we're off to PHP.
0: I'm glad. I want to do Git. I got the tools for Git. I got me a Git account. And I sit there and go, well, I know how to drag files in and that's it.
1: I've noticed you having multiple versions of your homework and sometimes finding yourself going, oh, shoot, which one was it again? Which is the right one? Oh, I that have a to whole me naming
0: a... convention and and I've wanted to use Git. I've opened up, uh, what was it, Git Kraken. I've opened it up and I looked at Good. it and I read, I watched the little tutorials and I still have no idea how to do it.
1: Good. Well, not good. That you don't have any idea. But basically, I believe we have a at the stage where the challenges are big enough and your pain is high enough <laughs> that the initial gate is an odd point of view on the world. But once you once you get that point of view, once it clicks with you, you'll love it. But it's not it's not your typical check in, check out. It's a peer to peer sort of a not not. Uh, well, I guess communist is sort of one way of looking at it. If you have to try to analogize it to politics, but it's it's um, anarchy in in, in the non pejorative sense of the word. Anyway, it's a way of thinking, and once you get it, you'll you'll be fine. But it's yeah. not what you expect, and therefore, it it needs to be a guided introduction.
0: Good, good. I mean, I understand the problem it's supposed to solve. I just haven't ever gotten yes. it to solve it for me. So I'm looking exactly. forward to exactly. So that. that's
1: why I didn't want to do gate until we had until we understood the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're there now. And so the advantage, once we've done Git, from that point forward, the move to GitHub is going to develop a new angle. Any typos I make, anyone in the audience can submit a pull request and alter and improve the show. If people want to rephrase my paragraphs to make them clearer, send in a pull request, I'll review it, and maybe or maybe not approve it. But basically, it allows us to become collaborative. Uh So this... These installments don't have to say set in stone. They can be tweaked and improved. So as people listen back in the future, they can actually suggest improvements to the notes so that the next person to come back from the start of the series 10 years from now, whatever, is going to get better notes.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I've been going back and rereading a lot of stuff you've written, and I see typos I never told you about from, you know, Mm. two years ago. And uh, I, I even so that, as close as you and I are, I feel uncomfortable changing your stuff. But if you put it on Git where I can put in a pull request to say, hey, f- you know, fix yeah. this, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: And the intention of doing it on Git is to intentionally signal to everyone that I want this to be a collaborative, yeah. effectively document, right? Yeah. A large document of some sort. So that is why we're here. It so, also makes my weekly work easier because the workflow is just so much more in keeping with my day, day-to-day life. And also, GitHub have a flavour of Markdown that is an expanded version of Markdown. It has all of John Gruber's Markdown and more. Oh, and the and more includes superb syntax highlighting and tables. Oh, nice. So yeah, so basically, this is making more like easier. Are
0: are stunning now, Uh, and and I don't get to say anymore, Bart. I can't read a darn thing on this page, and it looks like it was written in 1958.
1: I'm sorry, you don't anymore. Also, we have a new domain name, pbs.bartificer.net.
0: And I don't know if on this show you talked about bartificer.net.
1: I have not, but I we I think we've done enough preambling. So next time I will give you the backstory on bartificer.net on this show. How's that? Okay.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Yes, we've preambled quite extensively. A
1: lot. <laughs> yes. Basically, I'm starting a new decade. I, I actually, I'm also, I am happy to say this, I turned 40. So I'm doing a lot of thinking and It's funny how, like, it's just a zero. Why should it make you think? And yet it does. Anyway, so I'm revising a lot of things, making them better, things that I was just sort of subconsciously not happy about. I'm sort of going back, going, well, hang on a second, just because I used to do it this way, that's not a valid reason to keep doing it this way. So I
0: I, I worked for a Chinese man who always quoted the Chinese proverb, you always must take time to sharpen the knife.
1: Aha, I like, oh, I'm going to remember that. Right, rather um, than
0: chopping wood with a dull knife because you're, whatever, cutting with a dull knife and thinking you don't have time to sharpen it.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, a, I, I, oh, yes, I'm definitely remembering that. So basically, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about work-life balance, and I want to work better, not harder. And I want to be more creative and less time futzing about. Mm. And this move to Git gives me a lot more time to be creative with a lot less futzing about. And that makes me, I, I really enjoyed writing these show notes in a way I hadn't in a while. So, okay. Okay, so it wasn't
0: sandpaper to write.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So with all that said, this is the first installment where we're doing nothing new. We are just looking at the currency converter. And it's really about the why, not the what. So the problems we solved is basically to start with our solution from last time, uh, which I have linked to my previous challenge solution. The idea was we had... A few cards up by default. Each card was the rates for one currency against a list of other currencies. So the card represented a base currency, as we called it. And then it contained a list of conversions against a number of other currencies. And you were supposed to make it so that you could dismiss the cards you didn't want anymore and add new cards. So where we had previously left our story, it was just the cards were there and that was that. Now we wanted to give users the ability to create their own cards. And to dismiss the existing cards, and for bonus credit, to change the currencies in the rows. So, in other words, what will the base currencies be converted against? Was the, the second part of the the bonus part of the challenge since we stretched it out the six weeks. So, that was what we needed to do, which on the one hand sounds like very little. Or, sorry, wait a second. Wait a second. If I just. I'm, I'm wrong, am I, Alison? I'm just describing the previous challenges that are this one. I think... Our starting point was the cards could already be hidden and shown, wasn't
0: it? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And once one behind. Okay. So when we started, we could make cards and make cards disappear, and we could add and sh- show and hide currencies. What we couldn't do was change the amount. That's where we were.
0: Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was one dollar of this turns into these other currencies.
1: Yeah. It was so it's always one. Basically, one euro is so many this 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 and this, and one dollar is so many this this and this. So every card was rates only not conversions it was just a list of rates there was no converting going on right so the challenge was simply to turn this into a more web appy web app so it was already a web app because you could add and remove cards there was already a human computer interaction going on but now i wanted you to be able to add a number so that instead so you could say four euro is probably four dollars ish or whatever you know three british pounds or whatever and, you know, keep typing, oh, what, what's 450 or what's five or whatever. So to make it a currency converter instead of just show me the rates. So that was a challenge. Which sounds really simple. Like, that, that's so easy to say. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. So the first thing to say is, let us start, since this is about the whys, let us start by looking at what I chose to do to solve the problem. So the first link under sample solution overview is see my solution functioning, which is a link to the page on rogit Um, So that's back-ended by Git, because we all love Git. (laughs) So what you will see is that it looks extremely similar to where we left off, except each of my cards now have a new row at the very top that has a number input and a little bit of fluff around it using Bootstrap's um, input group, so a prepend of the symbol for the currency and an append of the icon for conversion. And you can change it. So by default, I have euros, pounds, and dollars. So if you type in five, you'll see the conversion against five Australian dollars. You know, make it 56. Ooh, $56 is a lot of Australian dollars. 90 Australian dollars for 56 euro. <laughs> anyway, so you get the idea. Um, if you type in garbage, it gives you a bright red, or this is not good. Um, Which is
0: the first thing I did on yours was try to put it put in garbage. I knew you would before putting. Uh, in a I, I always
1: know that you will <laughs> test my sample solutions for the error conditions I didn't think of. I think of you.
0: That's why. That's why you want somebody else to do it. I I figured the first thing Steve would try was uh was a letter instead of a number in mine, and he put in a negative number, which luckily I'd tested for. But
1: yeah, uh, so you will notice every time you type garbage, the app doesn't default to showing nothing. It says, mm, "Okay, I have nothing better to do. I'll show the rate." Hmm. It does. Yeah. So that was my decision. What do I do when the user talks garbage to me? That was a decision I had to make as as a developer. I could have blanked them out as question mark, or as nan, or as empty. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit. What do you do? And I decided, well, let's make the app always show people something of value. And that's something I figured was the rate. So just make it one. And then the other thing is that three point is technically not a valid number. But actually, we do kind of want that to work. So I actually put in a little bit of JavaScript we'll look at later to make sure that three point is treated as three. So that as you're typing, it doesn't go, you know, four, and then point it to go to one, and then four, then it would fix itself. So the four point is just treated as four. Hmm. And the other small, subtle tweak you may notice is that if you type in four, it just shows no decimal places, but if you say 4.01, all of a sudden decimal places appear when they're needed. Well, that's neat. Huh. Yeah. So that was just some sort of little tweaking. You I know, mine, to do. mine so automatically that, did, solution,
0: I didn't have to put JavaScript in there. I just tried typing 4 point and 4 euro is 4.41 dollars and 4 point euro is also 4.41.
1: Yeah, my conversion function, however, didn't initially my con my conversion function didn't like that. So while the HTML input is perfectly happy with it, um, the Java my JavaScript function wanted a number, so my event handler just fixes it.
0: Oh, so this is where the the thing I did, where the first thing I do is I divide by whatever the the number is. It, it changes mm-hmm. all the rates in the background before anything gets put into into the mustache and that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay so we have now seen what what I have what my sample solutions were going to be describing so I would like you to note visually that the most notable things is I made some decisions right so from a UI point of view I chose to use a bootstrap input group I chose to use html5 number input I chose to use um in terms of validation, I chose to use uh, HTML5 form validation, as we described back in installment 39. And I chose to show it to the user using Bootstrap's built-in form validation. So I invented, I reinvented zero wheels. I just went, what are the standards we have learned in this series? Bootstrap, HTML5, Bootstrap, HTML5. In terms of event handling, then, the other question here is, it is per- there are two approaches, right? I could have had it that you typed some stuff, and then there was a giant big button that hit called Convert, and you would type what you wanted, and then you could click Convert. That would have been a valid solution.
0: I hope yes? you don't spit on me for doing it that way.
1: Not even slightly, because okay. that is an extremely valid solution. Um, or the other solution is you can type, and I'd have it update instantly. So why would you choose one over the other? Because you'll see both. The real world is full of both. So in the real world, what, is there a difference in when you will t- generally, on average, see one over the other? Is there a difference in when developers prefer one of those two valid solutions over the other?
0: I'm not sure. I'm trying to... Mm-hmm.
1: I, <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you what it is, and now you're going to start looking for it everywhere. Okay. So <laughs> if the action takes time, it will be with the button. So if every, if every calculation involved an AJAX request that would take a second or two, then having it happen on every key press would be horrible because they'd slam into each other, right? The first one wouldn't be done because you're typing more than one letter every two seconds, right? So if it's time-consuming, you would never have it react in real time because okay. you just have all these events crashing into each other, chaos, CPU spiking, network traffic wasted mess, and probably inconsistent UI dancing all over the place. But if it's something the browser can do locally, instantly, as quick as a human can type, then it's less work for the human to have to push the button. That's true. So in general, as a developer, you would opt for instant response if it's something that you can do instantly. And the other thing is, if every character you type caused the entire screen to have to reflow and there was stuff dancing everywhere... Even if it was instant, you still wouldn't do it as in, as soon as you type, you'd still provide a button because otherwise the person would go mad right, as their right. UI kept on dancing all over the place. But because these cards have a very, very strict layout, it's not horribly distracting to have them change in real time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't notice they were doing it in real time. I noticed when I was done, it was done, but I didn't yes. notice that uh, that it was doing it as I was typing until you said that.
1: Which, thank goodness, because that means that my assumption that it wasn't distracting was a correct assumption. Yeah, yeah. So that is why in the general abstract case, you would choose one of those two valid solutions over the other. So that is one of the things I was hoping to teach today, is that th- that is a decision that you probably didn't notice that an app... Something I'm hoping will become obvious is that developers writing the world's simplest app make about 50 difficult decisions. And you don't notice them when they do it right. When you do it wrong, you notice. But when they do it right, you don't. So I think...
0: I, I'm not sure I know how to do what you did, but I know the reason I couldn't possibly have done it is my cards don't exist until you say show conversion. Your cards always well, that's exist. a good reason.
1: Okay, so your design then has made the decision for you. That was a very easy choice for you.
0: Yeah, but I'm not sure I would know how to do what you did had my cards already what? existed.
1: Okay, so the, it's all about which event do I fire on, right? So you have the choice with jQuery To add an event listener to any event the browser can throw out. So you added your code to the click handler for the button.
0: Right. What did you add it to? Or maybe the
1: submit handler for the form. Either of those two would be possible. I haven't seen your code, but either of those are
0: possible. The the former. But how did you do it?
1: So I did it with the input event handler, which fires every time the content of the input changes in any way.
0: Oh, I don't know if I knew you could do that. Cool. Okay.
1: Well, yeah. And we actually spent a little bit of time talking about it many and so months ago because there's three possible event handlers that sound the same in English and are different in reality. Uh, So there's an on-change handler, which just sounds like what you want. There is nothing that sounds more like what you want than change. But change only fires when you unfocus the form element.
0: Oh.
1: So basically, when you type in something and then tab away, it's at the point you tab away that the browser says, oh, that's different to what it was when you tabbed into it or when you clicked on it. Basically, click on it and click away or tab into it and tab away. Same effect, right? The focus comes in, you do something, the focus leaves, the browser then goes, is this the way it was when you focused in? Oh, no, it isn't. It's changed. And then the change handler fires. So it sounds like what you want, but it's actually completely not what you want. The other one that sounds like what you want is key down, key up, or key press. Which are even they are subtly different to each other, uh, but they also aren't what you want because screen reader, or sorry, assistive devices do not use key presses, but they do alter the input. Control V is often not considered an in uh, a key press, oh. but it is most certainly an input. Right, right. So the uh, the input event will fire. Regardless of how the input got there, whether it was an assistive device, whether it was the keyboard, whether it was pasting, whether it was some sort of browser plugin, autofilling the form, it will take any of those and fire. So that's why input is actually the event to use, even though it doesn't sound like it at first blush.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: And I, then the I other like point: understanding why written...
0: the other ones don't work.
1: <laughs> exactly. So as I said, this is why I'm hoping to focus on the whys way more often than the hows.
0: By the way, I'm going to say another nice thing about the Git uh, styling, uh, where Bart has input, key up, and change in the text, it's a real pretty light blue, sort of roundy rectangle around it. It's real obvious, but not in your
1: face. Yes, and that is every time I use the backtick, the inline code symbol in Markdown, I get that beautiful result which is really way easier than what I used to have to do, which is angle bracket, C-O-D-E, close angle bracket, type what I want, open angle bracket, slash C-O-D. I hated that in HTML. It me nuts. <laughs> um, anyway, so, and then the other choice I've already talked about, what to do when it's invalid. I chose to treat everything invalid as one. And that way, the rate would show when the input was invalid. So, in it terms of my It might be the code, dumbest
0: idea to tell people visually that that's what was done.
1: Like, yeah, wait, well, they do because I like, put in some garbage, it shows Australian dollar one equals blah. Well, but so, I put right, in, in like no
0: negative mystery. one and it just shows me the answer, but it shows it to me in, in as one in each one of them.
1: Right. So, yeah. any invalid value, it would say one equals. So, that is, I would argue, that is very clearly what it's doing. It's I didn't notice homework. it. So, yeah.
0: I, my yeah. eye is drawn to the bright blue AUD equals 0.21 Australian dollars but there's a there's a, a 111 one right. right before it but it's light gray so i didn't know i didn't even notice it at first
1: that's interesting because in it, i actually dimmed out the originating currency because it was too distracting and from taking away AUD. from the answer which i wanted to stand out yeah. i'm guessing i'm hoping the red is the most distracting and therefore your eye will be drawn up to fixing rather than looking down yeah i
0: probably would notice that yeah
1: so I'm hoping in the hierarchy of noticing that the red wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that definitely was the first thing. I was curious what it was okay. doing. I was like, Wait, what number did it pick?
1: Okay. So that's what I want you to notice visually. And then mm-hmm. in terms of the code, I would like you to notice my code is designed for something I, I'm referring to as generality. Basically, write your code in such a way that the same function can work for every single card. So write your code to be as generic as possible so that you can reuse it as often as possible within your solution. Which is a very, very abstract concept. It's like a, it's like, a, it's like a, an ideal to strive for as opposed to a very practical thing. But actually having an idea in your head of what you're striving for is very valuable, I would argue.
0: It, yes. Um, I don't know how you would do it other than that since we were creating our cards with mustache t- templates.
1: Yes, yeah, but there are still levels of generality. Okay, it's it's a principle, and I'm going to be harping on about it repeatedly because it's very wishy washy.
0: Okay, okay, and and I could see how in other examples I might not think to do that.
1: Yeah, this one I think you're probably right because it's so obviously repetitive. You'd have to go out of your way to make
0: it wrong (laughs) or make it.
1: Yes, yeah. So this case, I Mm -hmm. guess the question is guiding you there anyway. But it's a it's a much more general point.
0: I do have a lot of variables, though. Dorothy says what I should be doing now is going (laughs) back through and saying, why do you have so many variables? I'm pretty sure Ah. some of them are never used. It's it's really hard to tell.
1: Right. So now we're getting back to generality. Because my code has very few variables. Because to give generality, I make heavy use of data attributes. Hmm. So instead of having variables all over the place, the data is in the card and so the event handler can so the event handler will be told this card has been changed do your thing on this card and it can pull the data it needs from this card
0: yeah oh with with the cards i didn't have that i had a lot of variables though in mashing about my the different databases i was pulling from and converting them from uh from json to you know from objects to arrays and back, remember I did it somehow I have to do it like eight times. Dorothy thinks there's probably some streamlining could go on in there too uh but because of plausible. that, I've got lots of variable names as that machination happened, and a lot of machination is
1: right you're you're trading something else off there you're trading off shorter code for more understandable code maybe maybe. I did have. Maybe to, you're breaking it into more explicit steps so that you can actually follow what's going on. Whereas if you right. were to try and mush it into one giant big magic step, it will be fine for five minutes, and then when you went to debug it tomorrow, you'll be like, ah, why, how, ah.
0: I did also notice that I had to put in a lot of comments to help my, me remember all the different versions of something that was essentially the same thing. Like if it was something mm. that I pulled in uh, the original Ajax request, But it ends up getting converted and moved around into a bunch of different forms. But it is essentially the same piece of information that I had to build little little comment sections to say this became this became this became. Now, here's what it's called over in the mustache.
1: Right. But OK, so you're leaving little notes for future Allison. This is good.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was that was also current Allison going,
1: wait, wait, what is that again? Right, but yeah, and if current Allison needs help, like when current Bart is struggling, future Bart is going to need a lot of (laughs) hand-holding. Okay, so in a little more detail, let's dive into some of these UI decisions. So the first one I chose to use for my UI, a standard HTML5 number input decorated with bootstrap uh, input group. I actually did a lot of experimenting before I settled on this solution. Um... I thought, ooh, an inline form, that'd be nice. No, that was absolutely ugly because an inline form is just a default width for the input as opposed to it stretching and shrinking to match the width of the card. And actually, in this case, full width is way prettier than some random arbitrary width that never quite goes all the way. And yeah, you can center it, but it still looks daft. So the the, the inline input went away very, very quickly. That was a silly idea. I experimented with trying to squeeze it into the heading. It's like, but it's just a number. How big can it be? Too big. <laughs> I tried putting two lines in the header that looked really bad. Um, and initially, I just had a bare number input, and that was it. Just looked like a bordered box. It was really, really not inviting for people to interact with. I thought. Mm-hmm. So after a lot of futzing about, like at least an hour of futzing about, I settled on this input group with these two icons to buttress it and a. You know, The easy part was saying, well, I'm going to use the tool HTML told me to use, which is HTML has an input for numbers. I want a number. I'll use that. That was sort of the easy decision, my I don't reinvent wheels decision. But right. after that, it was a lot of bootstrap footsing about. Um, one subtlety with the, with the HTML5 number input. Um, I wanted to use HTML5 form validation, so I didn't have to reinvent that wheel either. And I wanted numbers to be considered valid with two decimal places, because that's how currencies work. In HTML5, the only way you can have that happen is if you make the step also be two decimal places. So that means that the up and down arrows move in pennies. Uh,
0: so
1: I didn't want that. Yeah. I wanted the up and down to move in tens, but that means you couldn't enter two decimal places. I Basically, the way they made... H- so HTML6 has some work to do. Because that's a shortcoming. I should be able to separately specify both the step size and the amount of decimal places I want.
0: I would I would agree with that that they they that would be a much better way to do it. Um I let people write in just as many decimals as they want, but when I do the division, I mm-hmm. round it to two decimal places. So they can I put mean, as much in approach. as they want. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't occur to me that I would have been messed up on so my my little up down box goes by one. Yeah. Not Which is by the decimals. default if you don't
1: set a step. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'd had my choice I would have had it go by a step of 10 cent.
0: Uh
1: but, you know, I couldn't have my way. And it took me a little bit because I tried it and it kept on failing validation. It would basically say that 0.25 was invalid. But that's a valid number. It's like, how do I get it to accept, you know, 25 cents? And in the end, I, I went to the docs and the docs had a giant big warning saying, currently there's a you know a limitation of the HTML5. It's like, oh, sod. <laughs> so that was that. So that's that decision made. In terms of data validation, then again, I did not want to reinvent any wheels. So I used HTML5's standard form validation, which, and then I read the Bootstrap docs, and Bootstrap was like, we have really nice styles, but we don't enforce them on people. If you want our style, you must apply a class to the form to opt in, and that class is was-validated. dash So until you put that class on the form, Bootstrap shows nothing the validation is happening in the background so the um html5 pseudo class colon valid and colon invalid will come into being but you won't visually see anything uh, so then i just started adding that class all the time so basically just at all times add the class was validated which meant that when the page loaded there were three giant green boxes demanding everyone's attention all the time uh, that wasn't good either so in the end i settled on the first time someone interacts with a the form, then the class gets added. So once you have tried to change the value, then I need to tell you if you've done it right or not. But until you've tried, my default is correct. So why do I need to draw your attention?
0: So this is was validated on the class of the input?
1: Nope, the form. So each oh. card has a, a form. Oh, that's right. You've got separate forms. I have one form. Yeah, and I had to do that because otherwise, form validation would get very confused because if you mess up the euros, the pounds are broken too. Okay. Or, well, they could be. Yeah, that's not the. It's much easier if it's one form per card because then that that sort of makes sense because they're little islands upon themselves. Uh huh. So basically, mark them up that way. You know, that whole semantic thing I keep on harping on about. So basically, I chose to not add the style until the first time the human interacted, and then the human should be told what's going on. And then we've talked in detail already about whether to use key up, key, uh, or, or or input or change. So there's nothing more to add there. In terms of the error handling, then um, I just I basically because we're using HTML5 uh, form validation, checking whether or not the person entered a sane reasonable number is actually quite straightforward because you can just use jquery's dot is function to check if the input dot is colon invalid or valid depending on which way around you want to write your if statement so i went with invalid because that made my if statement look better (laughs) so i defaulted one by saying if dollar input dot is colon invalid base amount equals one And then to make the four point behave like four, I just have base amount becomes equal to the base amount converted to a string dot replace a trailing dot with an empty string.
0: Oh, oh, interesting.
1: So just strip it off. If there's a dot on the end, make it be gone. Okay. So that is my entire validation code. It's just pretty short because I'm letting HTML5 do all the heavy lifting. (laughs) So,
0: um, just for grins and giggles, I just threw is validated or was validated on my uh the one form where you type in a number. So I only have one spot, and it put a giant beautiful green check mark, which I kind of like because it draws the eye to saying, "Oh, maybe I want to change that." Um, however, it takes negative numbers, so that means I have to right. go back and put the validation in.
1: You do so. My validation, uh, which I probably should draw your attention to, it says, um. So value equals 1.00 is the default value. Min equals 0.01 stops it. I don't want it going Uh even to zero. Okay. And then step is what says, and I consider two decimal places to be valid, which which also means that the buttons, the up and downs go in that same step. Uh, So
0: I did a big big old if statement for that, that, and you didn't have to do that.
1: Yeah. And then Uh the last one is important, required, because otherwise an empty form is considered valid. I want an empty phone to be considered invalid. So okay. required is the last one there. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for calling me back to that because I had meant to draw your attention to those validation attributes. Good.
0: Exactly what um, I was thinking was that you forgot.
1: <laughs> excellent. So in terms of keeping the code general, then it really is all about... So what a sign that your code isn't particularly general, there's many possible signs, right? this is a very wishy-washy topic, but If you find yourself writing a function that takes 20 arguments, you've definitely gone wrong. If you find you're needing to hand the function five arguments, you've probably gone wrong. Hmm. Because really, if you're you're writing a function, you should be able to describe it in English. So I want a function to update the conversion for euro to five. There's only two actual pieces of information in that English sentence, euro and five. So if my function needs more arguments than I need to say it in English, I've probably gone wrong. Hmm. Okay. So the question then is, if I'm not going to pass it more arguments, how is it going to find the answers, right? It needs to know the rate. So where is it going to find the rate? And my answer to all of those questions was uh, data attributes. I just filled everything up with data attributes. So the first question is, how does the function? So I called my function update card conversions, and it takes the two arguments of, um, excuse me, um, the currency and the base amount. Okay, and it then needs to figure out all the rest. So the first thing it needs to figure out is where on the page is the card for euro. Well, I give a data attribute called uh, currency, I think, to the card, so I can use jQuery to look for a card where data-currency equals the currency code. Hmm. So jQuery is so right. So every card has the class currency call and it has a data attribute named currency with the value of the three digit code. So that means to get the right call it's, you know, cur call becomes equal to dollar and then passed as a, as a string, a CSS selector. So dot currency call means I want the class currency call. And then the square brackets means I'm doing an attribute search. And data dash currency is the data attribute currency is equal to whatever they passed as the first argument.
0: I heard all that. (laughs) Okay. But it was a bit of a word salad to me.
1: Okay. So the CSS selector. Is saying it's trying to say I want something with the class currency call, so that's dot currency call in CSSP, and then you say I want the one that has the data attribute currency with the value of say euro. So the value of the the currency code is in the variable cur code for currency code. Okay. So you're saying so if they passed euro as the argument, then that would say dot cur call open square bracket data dash currency equals EUR.
0: Okay, I remember once a long time ago seeing this square bracket inside the dot thing, and Mm -hmm. I don't know what that does or how you use it, I'm afraid. It
1: is the attribute selector. So if you wanted every image with alt equals booger, you would say IMG, because you want all the images, open square bracket, alt equals boogers. And then it would find every image tag where the alt attribute has the value buggers. Hmm. So any attribute, so an attribute is angle bracket, and then inside the angle bracket, something equals something, that's an attribute. So, so A is the tag, yeah. href equals blah is the attribute. So the attribute is named href and has the value
0: blah. So could would you put a class inside square brackets?
1: No, because that's dot name of class, right? There's already is a CSS for class, right? Dot means class, parent so sign means ID.
0: Okay. So they have their they're own special are Special. They're... Okay.
1: Yeah. So for everything that is that doesn't have special, which is basically all the rest of them, you used a square bracket. And that didn't exist in CSS one. That was added in either CSS two or CSS three. I don't remember off the top of my head, but that was an addition to later CSS. So Because so... people are like
0: so not not class and not ID, but what kind of stuff goes in the square bracket?
1: Any attribute. So like, anything where it's...
0: Like, other than data, is. are there other ones?
1: Yeah, so um, A, href equals target equals. That's two attributes, href and target. Angle bracket, IMG, S or C equals... Alt equals title equals. That's three attributes. Href and alt those were
0: and and, and and so you now you give me three and I don't know what to do with three. Um, alt equals. So you would you would could you'd put alt inside square brackets equals and then whatever the alt tag was,
1: whatever you wanted to. Okay, let's make a practical example. You want to find every link that opens in a new page. So how do you open a link in a new page?
0: Target equals underscore blank.
1: Okay, so how do you find every link on a page?
0: I'm guessing something dot A, maybe something?
1: Well, no, not dot, right? It's just A, the name of the tag. It's the easiest CSS selector. So if you want every paragraph, it's P. If you want every link, it's A. Okay. But you want every link where the target is equal to underscore blank.
0: So it would be A square bracket target equals underscore blank? Bing, bing, bing. Okay. Okay. And dot currency call in your example, where you're saying dot currency call square bracket data dash currency equals, and then you look for the currency code. Dot currency call—that's a class. Yes. Okay. I'm with you now.
1: Good. And thank you for stopping me. And this is this is why we're doing it this way, because you now can.
0: And uh, let right? the record show it's not cemented. It has been understood once, was what I will I will say. <laughs>
1: Right, but okay. we will keep practicing.
0: Okay, but for the "I told you," I told you this comment that will inevitably come later.
1: In theory, I could insert it now because we there is a teeny <laughs> amount of data. Shut up, Bart. <laughs> well, I'm done being good. No, that was snarky. <laughs> it was funny though. You did sort of pull it out of me. In fairness, I did. I did. I had it coming. Okay, so that is all I have to do in my code to find the right card. Because the data attribute is there. Okay. Similarly, each of those rows inside the card is a list item, an LI tag. Mm -hmm. And again, the currency they're converting to is added into the card using a data attribute. And each of those LIs has a class currency rate. So I can loop over all of my currencies. By remember last time, remember we recently learned that uh, we can iterate over a jQuery object because it is iterable. So, to get a list of all the currencies inside a card, we can say dollar rate li's becomes equal to the dollar function li.currencyrate, and then we limit the search to Kirkall, which is the current card. That makes sense? Yeah. So, give me all the list items that are currency conversions. Inside the current cart, and then we say for const li of this new list we now have, then because jQuery is a little bit weird, we have to promote the li from being an ordinary DOM object to a full on jQuery object with superpowers. We say dollar $LI becomes equal to dollar parens li close parens. So that's just promoting it.
0: I don't remember but that.
1: I'm trying to use a Superman analogy so that it sticks, but I'll keep going. I'll keep okay. trying. Okay. So the raw DOM object has no superpowers, and jQuery just does everything DOM does, only better. So we wrap it in jQuery to make it better. Uh, The actual maths is really quite straightforward, right? You have a base amount, because that was passed as the second argument to the function, and then you just multiply it by a rate, and then you get the answer. But what's the rate? How do we know the rate? Well, the answer is I've shoved the rate in as another data attribute. So in Mustache, when I was creating the card in the first place, I shoved them all in. So data-race dash becomes equal to, ooh, and it would appear.
0: I will capture that screenshot. I see what you're looking at. You
1: will capture that screenshot. We may have a problem. It may be that the markup can't handle the back ticks inside the actual JavaScript code.
0: Yeah. um, And that isn't the first one. What Bart is seeing is a sudden uh, squiggly bracket just. Out in the middle yeah. of nowhere, that's the second one I've seen. So I think there is something uh, rotten in I may in need Denmark. to back,
1: backslash my backticks. <laughs> Ooh, that's hard to say. Uh, yes, that's annoying. Um, that should be dollar open curly brackets, and then the the actual information should be going in there. Um, but basically, there's data dash rate becomes equal to the actual rate is, is what matters so that means you can use jQuery's.data function to pull out the rate. And then the, then it's just math, right? Converted amount becomes equal to base amount times rate.
0: I'm grinning because this is a hard way to get to where I got to.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> I, I, interesting because I would say this is an easy way to get there. But
0: So my math is all done at the very beginning. You get a bunch of rates. Somebody says, okay, I want I want seven. You, the math runs. And then after that, everything gets created automatically.
1: Okay. But at the point you're doing the convert. okay. But you're only doing the conversion once at the point when the card is made, whereas I'm doing the conversion over and over and over again. So I need to bake it in somewhere because I need to access it oh. again every time you press a key.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I and you have to do it differently in each card. Mine is mine creates one card. card for each time you put in a number.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I need to store it somewhere because I got to get it back. Yeah. And it's different in every card, so that's why it's stored in the card. So the card knows the information about itself.
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: And then I just pull it out of the card with the .data function. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the last little subtle tweak I did um, was just to, to make it always be two decimal places and to make it pretty. Um, I used the numeral.js open source thing. We, I talked about it last time as well, but last time I was always showing two digits because that was the best I had learned then. And you do that by saying, you're calling in format with 0, 0, 0, 0. 0 and that would have said, I, you know, commas after the thousands and two decimal places, please. But what I learned this week is that if you put square brackets around the period, it means the decimal place is only shown when it's needed.
0: Oh, and that gives me the infinite. really
1: nice behavior that I want. So that was a little tweak that made it way nicer. Huh.
0: Interesting. Um, Mine is always two decimal places because I round it to two and shut up. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a perfectly valid thing to do, right? That is how currencies work. I just wanted to save some space on the card.
0: Well, I, I found myself searching in Google going, well, are there any currencies that use more than two? Because <laughs> I don't actually know what, you know, uh, Korean money does.
1: but I, I think I think because of software, the answer is no. Okay. Basically, I think it's because we used to write databases where you had to literally say how many characters each column in the database was. Hmm. And you had stuff like column-delimited data files, which is the stupidest idea ever. <laughs> because if you type one extra character, in, every column is wrong. <laughs> Whereas, you know, as as much as we joke about CSVs, at least you can have an arbitrary amount of data between each comma without breaking everything.
0: You know, the thing I like about this formatting, you you had a name for what this kind of formatting was? That was the...
1: G- uh, the four? fixed column. no, no, fixed no I'm column sorry. Stuff, the one that you did.
0: The 0,0? 0, 0.
1: Oh, with the optional decimals? Yeah. What was, uh, numeral.js is the, is numeral.js. the library
0: Yeah, uh, because that looks a lot like uh, the way it's done in um, in Excel.
1: I imagine that's not an accident. I imagine that they, they obviously pulled that syntax from somewhere. Yeah. And, and Excel is the universal language of administrators on planet Earth.
0: And of numbers.
1: <laughs> and of numbers, frankly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that square bracket, that's uh, cool.
1: Okay. It, it's one of the things I often find myself saying in work. What is the language that unites departmental admins, which is what we now call what used to be pejoratively called secretaries, which, yeah, let's go there, departmental admins are what they are, and they do a really bloody difficult job. What unites departmental admins and nerdy sysadmins? The answer is Excel. That is where we meet. <laughs> when I need structured data from a departmental admin, I give them an Excel template guaranteed the right answer every time. Oh, interesting. That is how we speak. That is that is where we meet. Nerdy nerds <laughs> and departmental admins. Excel is our common language. I
0: like it. I thought I like you it. would. It, 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 we call ours administrative assistants, by the way.
1: Ah, it's very similar. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. similar. Um, the last little subtle, uh, another little subtle tweak I want to draw your attention to is, so if you go to my previous solution, which you have Mm -hmm. open before we started, and just hold down the shift key and hit refresh. Mm -hmm. So I chose last time to focus the card on loading the whole card. And I didn't like doing that, but I had no choice because there is no form element on that card to focus. There's nowhere to put the keyboard where it will be of use to the user. And there's nowhere to visually draw the eye other than the whole card. Uh, so, I had to focus the whole card. Well, now there is actually something of value in each card where the mouse or where the human would naturally want to type. So, now if you say choose Canadian dollars and click add currency, you're immediately focused on the amount, which is exactly what you want to change. You could just type six or whatever.
0: Let's say that last bit again. So, I'm, I'm refreshing, and the only difference I Actually, I'm not okay, sure. Okay, no, no. A... Okay, so
1: on the new one, don't just refresh, right? Um just pick a currency that's not there by default and click add. Okay. And what happens when ah, selected what the happens? Text. What happens when you type?
0: Yeah, it selected the text already and it's in focus. Yeah.
1: Right. So instead of focusing the whole card, I changed my code to focus the input. Yeah. Now, at that point I realized that my previous sample solution had a silly bug. Not a well, not a bug, a shortcoming. So when you proactively add a card, it makes perfect sense that I focus it. But the three default cards are each three Ajax requests because I didn't do the smart calculation you did. So every time you refresh the page, a different card is randomly focused for no reason. <laughs> right? And it's different every time. It's a one in three chance of it being the same one again. And there's no logical reason to focus either. And when I was doing on the new one, and I was actually focusing into the text area. It was double stupid. So I updated my function for drawing a card to take an optional second argument. A truthy value suppresses focus. So when I load the defaults, I pass an extra argument true to suppress focus. And then when you click add currency, I do not pass that optional argument and therefore focus is not suppressed. And hey, presto, when you add Hong Kong dollars, you jump to Hong Kong dollars. But When you shift refresh the page, none of them catch your eye because why an should one at random have your keyboard oh, on it?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think mine starts with focus on on the uh, on the on the input, and I think that would be that would be better.
1: So I, I did a bit of you know again. This is this is because I had two weeks to do my own challenge,
0: <laughs> and it my got more fun, solution. didn't
1: it? <laughs> it absolutely it did because there was a lot of polish went in here. So basically, everything in the some little final touches was done afterwards. It was after the you know minimum viable product nonsense.
0: So let me ask you. Um, Uh, Something that that I don't like about mine and is actually sort of avoided in yours, um, I added some enhancements to mine in that as you add more and more cards, they're down at the bottom. So I I was able to uh, figure out how to get the focus down on the bottom one, and Mm -hmm. they tell you whatever you do don't turn off that box around the card because that's for screen readers. But screen readers don't need to know that because they've just it's just been created. So it actually, mine is an okay use to do that. And then when mm-hmm. I got down there, I was like, oh, shoot, now they got a know to go to the top. And this is especially important on the phone because once you say yes. show conversions, now my card is 75 feet below all the other glop that's on the screen. So it needed right. to go down there. And then I put a scroll to the top to go back to the top. What you did right. is interesting. Is your card shows when you create a new card, it's created at the beginning. Well,
1: it's alphabetic actually. Um, so if you, yeah, they they're alphabetic on three letter code. Oh,
0: then I don't like it as so, much. That that's how I wanted create, it to. I don't create.
1: I'm not creating those cards. Those cards exist as little placeholders that are hidden, and I'm showing them.
0: Okay. And they were created to be in alphabetical order?
1: Yeah. So basically, every, di- every call exists in alphabetic order mm-hmm. and they're empty and hidden until you say add currency. And then it does this AJAX request, fills them in and shows. Okay.
0: Them. Okay. So it wouldn't, mine wouldn't make sense to have it to do it that way. But but here's right. a question. Um, what I, I was hoping you would be able to tell me what happens here, what I did wrong is that uh, you can close a card but it leaves mm-hmm. a gap because the other cards are already there. They don't automatically uh, slide over and
1: take the place. So when you close the card, what's actually happening on that event handler? Because there is a jQuery function for pulling something completely out of the DOM. I'd have to do a quick RTFM to figure out exactly which jQuery function that is. It just says
0: dot um, close dot on click function, this dot closest dot mm-hmm. card dot fade out.
1: Okay, so that means you have faded it to being invisible, but it's not gone. Ah. So let me quickly bring up... So let me just... So jQuery... I'm just literally typing into Google now. So this is this is live. jQuery remove from DOM. Let's see what Google tells me. Ah, dot remove. What a spectacularly straightforward function.
0: Hmm. So, so instead of, of dot fade out, dot remove?
1: No, because fade out is pretty. All right. Right? Right. So if you go to fade out, so if you stick into your Google again, jQuery fade out. uh, Fade out, Mm -hmm. that should take me to Mm jQuery.fadeout. And I think if memory serves, jQuery.fadeout takes as an optional second argument, a callback called complete, which is the code it will execute when it has finished kindly fading. So you could write an anonymous function as the second argument that then calls remove. So fade to prettily disappear and then actually suck yourself out of the DOM.
0: So you would type a function inside those parentheses that are after fade out?
1: Yeah, so fade out takes two optional arguments. Duration, which is a number of milliseconds, which defaults to 400. Comma, function, open parence, close parence, open curly, type your code, close curly. Okay. And remembering that in jQuery event handlers, the variable this is the DOM object representing the thing that it was called on. So in your case, the DOM object for the card. So you would say open parens, this, close parens, dot remove. Okay. That's a lot of saying. Um, no, we, no, we but
0: can... I I understand, I think, what you're saying the uh, inside the uh, fade out. Huh. Ah, yeah. okay. Um, second question. And it's Mm -hmm. more of a generic statement, maybe. I don't know that we want to sit there and go through mine on this, but I spent probably 27% of my time just trying to get things to line up. I Mm -hmm. found it incredibly difficult to get the grid to do what I wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. Um, To this day, I've successfully made my checkboxes now three columns when it's wide, and it goes down to two, and then it goes down to one. Uh, But there isn't anything on God's green earth I can do to make those three columns be centered on my page with everything else. It is, it is not possible. It can't be done. (laughs) I have put that center justify content around justify center. I've done it on uh, the, the container on the row on the, on the, the uh, column. I I can't figure it out. And I I don't know why I I get tangled on where it's supposed to be. So I try it everywhere and I don't know.
1: Okay. I would definitely, definitely say that throwing classes around at random and bootstrap is dangerous because they're just a bunch of C- a class is just a bunch of css right right and sometimes so if you put it in a place that the docs weren't expecting you to it won't give you an error it'll just do something weird and unpredictable oh no mostly like it does not-
0: nothing at all bart it's not a well you're lucky <laughs> okay
1: because usually it has a side effect somewhere on the page
0: so, so I've got currency conversion is in a little gray box at the very top and it, I got that centered. I've got another uh, turquoise box says select at least one country for currency conversion. It is centered. My, two, my uh, Dorothy made me add a check all and uncheck all box, which is kind of cool which i did that oh, was yes, that is a lovely
1: addition
0: yeah that was her idea and and she didn't tell me how to do it she just told me i had to go do it so i did and they look lovely they're centered they do it, look exactly what i want show conversions is centered all of my cards are centered but i swear to you that that those listed checkboxes will not center i'm starting to think checkboxes can't be centered is that
1: possible? They may need to be wrapped in. They may. It is possible that you may need to wrap them in in something, and like you may need to wrap them in a span, and then have oh, the span. I've,
0: I've wrapped them in Christmas paper, Hanukkah paper, and Kwanzaa paper, Bart, and they will
1: not. Right, but this, see, this, this is where Bootstrap is a little bit dangerous because rather than just throwing around classes in a, desperately trying to get it to work, I would be inclined to say strip them all out and start again because if you leave just one one straggler in one place will break everything
0: yeah you know the, i mean the, the code is pretty simple that that it's it's really small there's not that much to, to screw
1: up okay well okay so my general approach is make very very heavy use of the um the, that little tool where you have the crosshairs uh the inspect and, the inspect so that you see where the padding is, where the margin is, where the border is, because usually you'll find that something has something is wider than you thought it was, hmm. or something isn't contained inside what you thought it was contained in because there's a closing tag missing or something. So having it actually show you its margins hmm. can be very powerful, margin, and show so. you its padding.
0: Why would margins and padding be even involved? Because they in lay this.
1: things out, right? If you're worried about centering, then it isn't. Oh, it's all about margins and padding. That's how you center things, right? You get equal amounts of left and right.
0: Okay. Um, I just did and so that. The and I is, don't is, so the there's no, there's no margin and no padding on any of that.
1: On anything, mm, There on may margin. or there may not be. But I'm just saying, if you're trying to figure out what is actually happening in your layout, you cannot see, right? Margin but, and padding are invisible. You can't see them with your eye. The only way to see what's really happening on that page is with that inspector tool. Because you're assuming the box goes here. But maybe the actual browser has a different assumption. You can't see that assumption without the tool. Yeah. You can't see the edge of a div without that tool.
0: Hang on. There it is. Okay, uh, by default, the little right sidebar wasn't uh, wasn't open. So all I was hmm. seeing was my HTML when I did that inspect. So now I'm seeing yeah, you have padding to... left, zero, margin, right. But I don't know what to do with that.
1: No, no I'm saying actually have the crosshairs and hover over it. It will no, show you graphically in different colors, which is the padding and which is the margin.
0: Right. But I'm th- that doesn't answer any of my question. So okay. well, I've I, got three I, there is columns. No one
1: answer, right? So I'm just saying my approach is to double check my assumptions using that visual tool to make sure that the div I think is a quarter wide is actually a quarter wide and that it's not just that it's invisible but actually full width. Or the div I think is full width is actually only a quarter wide or whatever. Like and I'm also checking my containment by having it show the different nested tags to make sure I haven't got like a row I'd say a call straight in a container but I forgot that the, the row? row. Yeah. And I mean there's no one right answer because there are so many ways to do something silly. Like <laughs> right i have tried them all (laughs) i'm i promise you i found more because i've been doing this for a decade that's true true. Uh, so i am always making silly mistakes and my the only advice i have is i generally default to removing classes getting right back to zero once i've been futzing about for a bit because mm -hmm. i will leave some detritus somewhere i will leave one stray class somewhere Mm -hmm. and it will make all the correct solutions not working.
0: Oh, okay. So you're over here t- turning these knobs on the with your right hand and you haven't noticed that your left hand is just spinning mm. something else in the other direction. You're right.
1: Yeah. And I will definitely, definitely, when I get flustered and when things aren't working, I will take all the styles out, go to the docks, double check everything I thought I remembered, find out where I misremembered, which it's always me, <laughs> um, and then build it back up again. But once you get to it, once you've been at it for 10 minutes, my approach is don't add, subtract. And then mess it up again <laughs> and go back to zero and try again.
0: I think I also easily get messed up on when it's supposed to be inline versus not inline.
1: So just- remember the analogy of the balloons.
0: Okay. Remember there were balloons. <laughs> right.
1: So I... I, I a block is the default, right? So paragraphs, headers, everything by default is a block, which is basically like a balloon. It goes as wide as it can until it hits something, and it tries to float up to the top. Okay. So it's helium balloons. Inline is like a bold tag. It wraps around a piece of a block. Right? When you make something bold, it doesn't suddenly become full width. It just says where it is. That's inline. Mm-hmm. So that sort of bold is inline. The rest hmm. is block.
0: Hmm. Okay. I know messing so, around are- with that is what let me be allowed to have three columns of, uh, of checkboxes.
1: Because you made them three little inline blocks, I'm guessing, which you can then be 33% wide each or something like that.
0: Well, I can't exactly do that because they're all, they're all created dynamically. All of my, everything on my page is, is created dynamically with mustaches, basically. I shouldn't say everything, but nearly everything. So everything mm-hmm. to do with the countries, those are created with a mustache template. So Brilliant. Each of the, yeah, it's kind of fun. So by the way, if uh, uh, currency, dot whatever it is, the currency IP um, API that we're using, mm-hmm. if they add another country, it'll magically show up in mine and it'll know its name. Ooh. I know. Um, that
1: is pretty. Yeah, actually, yeah, because you're being very clever about using your multiple data sources to build that a dynamic database. Yeah. You're probably doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, I
0: was very proud of that. Um, that's why I worked it into conversation. Um, but I, I can tell when I'm doing it wrong because I would get one column and it would take up a third of the screen. And then I would I would right. say, okay, well, what happens if I make that like call two and that one column would just keep getting narrower and narrower, but I couldn't ever get it to be half width. I couldn't get it, you know, I couldn't get two columns, but I was pretty sure it was the form, and form check in line that let me finally get these into three columns
1: inline certainly sounds like that would help um because they stack the vertically by default is that sometimes flexbox is your friend instead of of container call uh, container mm. own call mm.
0: yeah i might have to give in but it's it's one of those things that will bother me for the rest of my life until i can figure out how to center that chunk of stuff on my
1: screen Well, if you've exhausted calls and, you know, if if you've exhausted the grid, maybe it's time to play about with Flexbox.
0: Maybe. And I got to go learn that. And I didn't pay the attention in class as well back then.
1: (laughs) And Flexbox is extremely powerful. I, 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 until I started preparing the show notes for this series, I underestimated the power and usefulness of Flexbox. Hmm. I now do not underestimate it anymore. I now understand it's bloody brilliant. Um, So there we go. Okay, so the last thing I want to finish up with is this new challenge I was teasing you about. Oh. So our current approach is very good if we as a human being are interested in a specific conversion, right? You have a whole card dedicated to the yuan or the euro or the pound. And so if you're fixated on the pound and you want to see what it converts into, it works really well. So I have five British pounds or six British pounds. What does that give me? Well, if I go to Australia, I get 9.55. If I go to Canada, I get 8.60. Oh, the euro, only 5.95. If only they hadn't Brexit A lot of yen though. Wow, 717, I'm rich. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, if I'm interested in my pound, this works really well. But if you just want to make lots of quick lookups, cards are really bloody annoying. So the same information we now have could be represented in another way that's better at giving an overview. And that's a a square grid where each of the currencies exists on each axis. And you can basically say euro versus pound by going to the euro row and the pound column and where they cross, you will get that conversion.
0: Oh, so like like the grid that uh, used to exist on paper maps where it would have a bunch of countries down the left or a bunch of cities down the left, a bunch mm. of cities across the top, and you could look down and over and, and find a crosshair like to say, distance. okay, it's seven miles from here to there.
1: Exactly. And like they that. were I mean, all one be at the miles. diagonal? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so in this case, it would be, instead of miles, it would be conversion rate. So how many euro in right. the pound? Well, so
0: it would still be one out down the diagonal, Right.
1: It would still be one down the diagonal because okay. one euro is one euro. Yeah. One pound is one pound. Yeah. Okay. So you have a head start in this assignment because you've already done that math to take the one answer from the API and convert it into every possible conversion. I haven't. Uh-huh. I have to do your math now. Ha! Good luck. Wrong division. <laughs> however, you did yeah. Um i really like i have lots of experience playing with tables whereas i don't think because you know you're not allowed to use them for layout mm-hmm. you tend to avoid them All Right, and i keep telling you that tables are for tabular data hello tabular data ah. so i have found an excuse to make you learn tables
0: i think i actually let's see did i do it yep my cards are tabular or t- uh, tables uh-huh. And that's because okay. I said, Have Bart, really how good. do I make this work? It's not working in the grid. And you said, it's a tabular data, isn't it, Allison? You use a table for crying out loud.
1: Good. Or okay. I something
0: I like. something uh, more polite than that, probably.
1: Oh, by the way, I wasn't sure when I said it earlier, but uh, my little radio buttons uh, for the currencies for turning them on and off are flex boxes.
0: Your, which ones? The, oh, the little switches? The
1: show-hide rates. And so as you stretch and shrink the window, you'll notice that they're always sort of... I'm not sure centered is quite the word, but they, they adjust their width so that they're always... Yeah, they are, I guess, centered, and they're always full width. And that is flexbox in action. Which, which, which things? The show-hide rates. Yeah. So stretch and shrink the window so that that column shrinks and grows, and watch how the individual toggles change.
0: Yeah, and within that box that they're in, they're centered.
1: Yes, and that is because within that box they are in a flex box.
0: Ah. Ooh, and they're different so widths. Sometimes that's crazy. Like I've got two on one row and three on the next. That's yeah. wild.
1: And it's always making them look good, right? And that's flexbox yeah. doing a flexbox thing. Oh, so I could so That's why you might want to learn Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we're Sorry, going that to make was a slight distraction. We're going to make this grid. Are we done?
1: You're going to make this grid, and then you're going to do... You also have a second head start, and I didn't know... I had already decided on this challenge before you told me you were playing around with tabs and panels. Because I don't want you to replace this interface. This interface is nice. I want you to have t- a, two tabs across the top so the user can toggle between the table and the cards.
0: Oh. Oh, that'll look good. I was thinking, oh, well, I don't want to throw this away.
1: Yeah, we're not. Remember, I'm saying we're building a web app. So our app went from having just the ability to make more cards to now having the ability to add in numbers to the cards. Well, now the app is getting a whole nother screen. Just show me the rates. All the rates on the screen at the same time. For bonus points, provide show hide buttons to make rows and columns disappear and reappear, obviously in unison with each other, because otherwise it doesn't work. And that's um, that's it. So by default, I don't really care what you do by default. So maybe default to having 10 currencies and the option to add more, or maybe default to showing all the currencies and the option to hide some. I, it, I, I'm leaving it up to you to design what you think is the most human-friendly interface, but the ability for people to alter the table would be nice, for bonus credit. And that's purely bonus credit.
0: Hmm, I think my solution already would work that way because i've got the little uh the little toggles
1: for you all the countries toggles, yeah. and
0: i've got to check all and uncheck all cuz dorothy made me
1: <laughs> yeah so you actually may have a lot of head starts here
0: <laughs> yeah i can't center a column to save my soul but i've got some of the background and uh just for the audience what i was doing with tabs was um i'm still annoyed that this is not the nicest interface on the phone because you're faced mm. with all the checkboxes, and there are, I think there's around 30 or so of them. Uh, let's see if I... Yeah, uh, there's
1: a lot of currencies.
0: Yeah, so when you're on the phone, you're like, scroll, 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 Oh, now I get to the show conversions button. And uh, yep. what I was thinking was, what if I had a tab for, you know, A to L, M to R, S to Z, something like that. I never did it, but I, uh, I did study the topic a little bit, so it's refreshed.
1: Yeah. That sounds fun good so that is that is the challenge and it is a six-week challenge because in the meantime what we're going to do is we're going to do two more objecty hats we're going to look at the string hat and the regular expression hat
0: oh i would like to so that will refresh be, regular expression some
1: yeah so that will be installments 90 and 91 and then 92 will be our solution to this grid
0: very cool well this was fun and i mean i i had time to ask you lots of questions and uh the show didn't get too long probably could have been crisper yeah. without some of my questions but um yeah i enjoyed this and we had a lot of front matter yeah we did that was it it was our our blather up
1: front <laughs> yes we'll have less of that because i don't plan on changing everything every time
0: okay good uh the 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 notes are just gorgeous it's just so it's like not having my eyeballs being poked to look at it now. And you can actually use command plus and command minus and things flow and it looks great. Yeah. 21st century. Imagine that. (laughs) All right, Bart. Well, uh, we will uh, revisit this in six weeks, but we will see you probably in a couple of weeks.
1: Indeed we shall. And until then, happy computing.
0: If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to let's talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to let's talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at podfeet. Or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeed.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.